Well, again, good morning, and uh, it's great to great to see you in worship. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you out at the uh, Connection Center. My name's Chip, um, the lead pastor here, and um, you know, once or twice a year, we um, we intentionally try to schedule uh, some outside speakers to come in to just help us to get a bigger understanding, a bigger picture of what God is doing beyond our little context, right? We are very committed at NAPNAS to supporting um, any kind of missional activity um, through our denomination and then other organizations. We are just really committed to this. And, and so um, the uh, First Impressions team is going to start to hand out some literature to you. Um, just one per family, just a brochure and a card. And, and um, we're just really committed to this and uh, want to give you the opportunity to kind of have an idea of uh, different ministries or things that are happening. And um, uh, this summer, somebody shared with me that they had uh, been able to hear this couple share at our district uh, camp. And I just thought, you know what, I want to have them here and uh, it was great first service, and I'm excited about what they're going to share with you today. And so um, I would just invite Patris and Naomi to come forward. And uh, Patris is, uh, they're both from Pakistan, and uh, they have been uh, sharing the gospel in Pakistan for a lot of years. And he'll kind of share the story. I don't want to over, uh, I don't want to go over that, what he'll go over, and it's also on the brochure. But uh, just a powerful um, testimony of what I think what they've shared is how God uses us as ordinary people in extraordinary ways. Amen. And so um, that's why they're here. God's used them powerfully. They're just on fire for sharing the gospel. And I think the way their lives have kind of redirected is something that we need to hear because they live now in Columbus. And uh, I think what what God is leading them to do is something that we really need to clue into uh, how I think the way our country is changing, the dynamics of our world are changing. And so it's just great to introduce and welcome Patris and Naomi to NAPNAS. Would you welcome them this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church. Um, we just praise God and thank God for this good day that God has given us. And uh, we also want to thank Pastor Chip and the board and the leadership uh, and all of you that uh, have allowed us to come and speak at the church this morning. Uh, I would ask Naomi to share her testimony. She, a uh, couple of years ago, she was a Muslim and she accepted Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to hear from her how she accepted Jesus uh, as her personal Lord and Savior. Good morning, church. Thank you so much once again, Pastor and all of you. And... Uh, <clears throat> Everybody know my name. My name is Naomi Petras. I'm originally from Pakistan. And uh, <clears throat> I born and raised very strong Muslim family in Pakistan, Lahore city. And uh, my grandfather, he was the president of the mosque. My father was a mosque imam, like a priest. My mother, she was an Islamic teacher in Pakistan. When I was nine years old, I came to my parents. I talked with my parents. I said, mom and dad, I want to reach non-Muslim in Pakistan. And uh, my mother, my dad was very happy. And uh, I said, because Christians and Hindus are infidel and uh, because they never believe Allah and Muhammad. 
and my parents was very happy and uh, the second morning they took me to the Islamic school there they registered over there I starting you know the learning Islamic study and uh, during my study I go to the practical in the field to share the Islam with the non-Muslims and many of they accept Islam and uh, you know the when is the, I was a uh, 15 years old I decided when my study was finished, Islamic study was finished, and I, you know, the talk with my parents. I said, I, why not I go to the practical in the field? Whatever I learn, I want to share with the non-Muslim. My parents is there allow me, and I took my friend, class fellow, with me. I took a more than 250 literature. I went to the one is a church. We know about uh, Muslim know about the always Christians as prayers and uh, worship on Sunday. I took to the, that uh, literature to the Islamic, uh, you know, the one is a church. After the church was finished, I st started distribute the Islamic literature. During my, uh, you know, the uh, Islamic literature's uh, distribution, uh, distribution, all the literature, and then what happened, everybody took, and they never questioned nothing, anything, and uh, they never throw in front of me that uh, Islamic literature because if they throw in front of me, and Pakistan has a blasphemy law, whoever is disgraced, Allah and Muhammad, we should, you know, that they should be death. And they never throw in, in front of me. One family and one brother, he took my literature and he said, are you Muslim? I said, yes, I'm 100% Muslim. And uh, he said, I love Muslims. And I said, I talked with myself, I said, which kind of he has a love? Because we always hate Christians and Jews. They're not good people because of their calling the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Bible is corrupt, this and that, lots of questions. And then, you know, the, that family, you know, the, that brother, he said, I want to learn about more Islam. And I was very happy. I said, everybody's left and they never question nothing, anything. But this brother, he wants to accept Islam. I said, brother, you know, I'm a, I'm a 15 years old. My, because I wear a baya, like a hijab, cover my face and everything. I said, brother, in my Islamic culture, I cannot come to your house to, you know, the share about Islam. And uh, he said, uh, I'm married. I'm married. I have a family. And he's introduced the family, wife, and the children, and the mother-in-law. And then <clears throat> we exchanged the number. And I came back home. I talked with my parents. I dad and mom. Everybody took my literature. But this family, they wants to accept Islam. My dad, he said, my dad was very happy, and he said, give me the phone number. And uh, I gave to my dad, and immediately my dad, he called, and he said, my brother, my friend, and I will send my daughter to talk about Islam, and, uh, you know, the, I allow her. And I start, you know, the using to that family's house. Always I just, when I go to that family's house, I talk about Islam, the, always Islam. Islam is a peace and these and that. Lots of stories and, you know, the, always when I just shared is about Islam, I said, don't read the Bible. Bible is corrupt. Bible is not holy book. You are calling the son of God. Allah doesn't have any wife, no sons, nothing, anything. And uh, they are just quiet all the time. And then one day, uh, Muslim Ramadan is came. Muslim are every year, they are 30 fast every year. Muslim Ramadan is came. I was fasting, and that brother, he called me, he said, my that time my name is Asma Ahmad. And he told me, he said, Asma, can you come to my house 
to talk about islam because muslim ramadan is going on and maybe you can come and uh, talk about ramadan also i said yes this is a good opportunity to talk about you know the islam i went his house and i just knocked the door i go inside and uh, you know the um uh you know the somebody's i just before i enter the you know the inside the somebody's cooking in the kitchen i said brother i cannot come inside and he said why i said somebody's cooking in the kitchen because you never respect my ramadan i'm a fasting and somebody's cooking if i feel hungry you know the i smell is coming and i feel hungry i cannot come inside he said you can come my wife she will turn off the stove i went inside <coughs> before i you know the start preaching about islam and the brother he told me he said are you fasting i said yes i'm a fasting alhamdulillah and uh, you are praying five time every day i said yes i'm praying to allah and muhammad i give my life to allah and muhammad and he said you're fasting for what i said what do you mean fasting for what because allah and allah and muhammad has a promise to give me the salvation I'm doing for everything for Allah and Muhammad because when I die I go to the state in the paradise. That brother he's he told me he said are you sure Muhammad has a promise to give the salvation to you? I said yes, 100% I'm sure. And then he said you told me all the time Bible is corrupt, Bible is no more holy. This is you know the original Bible is in the Rome in the museum. this is not holy bible this is a christian made this bible i say yeah this is 100% then he said leave this bible one side let's read the quran he opened the quran he gave me the one verse in the quran he gave me one verse in the quran the prophet muhammad muslim prophet muhammad his daughter she came to muhammad she said father father give me salvation and muhammad said to the daughter he said i am not perfect man when i die where i go how can i give the salvation to you i was you know the shocked and he said he don't know when he die where he go and he don't have any promise to give to you the salvation because his own daughter she's asking for the salvation I was totally confused. I said, "Yeah, you're right." And then I said, "Might be he is, you know, the uh, you know the he made this Quran." I opened my Quran. I came back home. I talked with my parents. I said, "Dad, this family they give me this question. Can you answer this question?" My dad, my mom, they read that verse and they're saying, "You don't need to read the translation. Christians are not good. They're infidel. They're not good people." I said this is not answer. And they are saying don't go to that family's house. And then you know the second morning I took same question to my teacher. I said teacher give me this answer. And she teacher is the same answer. She said just read the Arabic. Allah and Muhammad give you the blessing to you. You don't need to go to the very deep. This is not answer. And that time you know the brother he called me again. that christian brother he said asma can you find this answer i said no brother i cannot answer this question but you know that my parents is never allowed to come to your house and uh, I, i don't you know that i don't want to you know to come to your house he said 
I want to learn about Islam. I want to, if you are answer my old question, and I will accept Islam. I thought might be he's forget this question. And I start, you know, the secretly he said, don't tell anybody you are coming to my house. Just secretly you come to my house. I thought maybe one day they accept Islam and I will show my parents, oh, look at this. You told me to stop going to that family's house. They accept Islam. I went to his house secretly, talk about Islam. All the time, when I go there, he give me the new questions. You know, the big difference is uh, Isaac and the Ishmael. Christian belief, you know, the, you know, the sacrifice of Ishmael, uh, the Christian belief, the sacrifice of Isaac. Muslim believe the sacrifice of Ishmael. Because of Jesus Christ, he came to the lines of Abraham, Isaac, and the Jacob. Muhammad is came to the lines of Ishmael. This is a big difference. Even that Quran is also talk about the sacrifice of Isaac. If Muslims are believe the sacrifice of Isaac, Muhammad cannot profit. Muhammad cannot profit. And this is every year Muslims slaughter the animals because of they remember that is a sacrifice of Ishmael. But the Quran is also talk about the Isaac. Quran is also by self there written all the promises and the, all the prophets and the, you know, the prophets and books is coming to the lines of Abraham, Isaac and the Jacob. No Ishmael name. And then is I was totally confused. Always I came and one day the wife, she told me, she said, Asma, take this Bible and go and read that. I said, no, sister, because we had a big mosque in Pakistan. I cannot take this Bible. She forced me. I wrapped in the newspaper. I came back home. And one day uh, I was praying. And the spirit of God is, you know, the stirred my heart to go and read. And I was starting reading the Bible. One side is a Quran. One side is a Bible. It said, took a two years to comparative study Quran and the Bible. Is this a Bible God? And the Quran, Allah is the true Allah. But totally different books. Because is the Bible is talk about love your enemy. And the Quran is also talk about Christians and Jews are your enemy. You have to kill. Which kind of he has a love? I said, this, this is not the same book. And then, cut the long story short, it took a two years to comparative study, and I decide, prayers and fasting. Seven day, I prayed and fasting, no drinking, nothing, anything, no eating. I lock my door, always I'm praying to God. You know? I said, God, if you are the true God, Show me yourself. I want to see you. And then, seven days of my prayers and fasting, Jesus came to my dream. And he said, my daughter, my daughter, I am the only way and the truth and the life. I cried. And I called that brother. I, I said, brother, what is the next step? I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is came came to my dream. I know about Jesus is only way and the truth and the life. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And then that brother he said, "Don't tell anybody. You come to my house, I will give you the baptism." I don't know the meaning of baptism that time. And he said, "You can come." And I secretly I went his house. He gave me the baptism. And then he said, "Today's my work is done. Don't tell anybody you are a follower of Jesus Christ." It's so difficult to hide my faith. It's a huge big family including me. I have eight sister and two brother, my mom and my dad and my grandfather. He used to live with us. How can I hide my faith? But I went you know the i came back home and one day i was reading the book of acts chapter 1 verse 8 when you are the when you receive the power of holy spirit you shall be my witness jerusalem judea samaria and of the earth i god is i talked with i said god what is the meaning of this verse again god spoke with me he said first jerusalem is your house start preaching and then i talked with my sister This is the other story I again I cut the long story short. In 2003 after 2 months she said I give this all the questions that brother he gave me I was totally confused. Uh, she took all the question and she said uh, after 2 months she came to me and she said I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In 2003 I accept Jesus Christ. In 2004 my immediate family they give life to Jesus Christ. My brother and sister it's not easy in 2007 is a the muslim tortured my dad he is with jesus christ i believe he was very very strong guy my dad my cousin they came to me they beat me they spit my face they urine my face they abused me even the twice a time they raped with me they gave the punishment to me why i am a follower of jesus christ my brother and sister if you are the true follower of jesus christ you have to pay the price because he paid the price for us why not we why not we my brother and sister still my family is suffering in pakistan last month you know the my sister she was uh, raped they beat and she has a very bad condition she's 23 years old but she is very committed to lord jesus christ my brother and sister god brought here we are persecuted in Afga- pakistan in afghanistan god brought here god has a plan for our lives in your lives use this freedom we don't know how long is this freedom but use this freedom god is sending nations right over here all the nations jesus christ is said go and make the disciple all nations nations are right over here mission field is in your backyard if people wants to go to the mission field they are blessed but mission field is here in united states i go to the different mosque different mosque in ohio not ohio wherever god gave me the chance i go i openly openly the share the gospel i'm still alive nobody kill me my brother and sister use this freedom carry his cross 
follow him. Many times I challenge the churches. Jesus' disciple has a 12, 12 disciples. They are never quiet. They are never quiet. Today you and me are followers of Jesus Christ because they pay the price. They are never quiet. This is a time to share the gospel. If not now, when? When? Muslims are here, they're coming to here to bring the Islamic Sharia laws and they're coming here to preach about Islam. One is a mosque. I was in the riverside. More than 200 women, every Friday they are gathered, they're fasting and praying. America is a coming to the Islamic country one day. I was there. I shocked. Where is our prayers? Where is our passion? They are coming to this country. They use the freedom. Why not we are use this freedom? Like earlier, my husband he shared, more than twenty thousand people are accepting Islam here in United States. If too late, enemy wants to hold this country. People are. You know, the godly people, they are quiet. We need to. We need to share the gospel with the lost people. Our work is not converting by force, forcing to people to, uh, you know, accept Christianity. Our work is plant the seed. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is touched the life, I believe. But we have to do our part to plant the seed. My brother and sister, we are living by faith. We are doing ministry among the Muslim peoples. I challenge you when you want, I will take you there in the different mosque. Many, many lost people before they are Christians, white Americans, they accept Islam. They accept Islam because they are never quiet. They talk, they talk, they give the, you know, the secret training to people how to reach the Christians here in the United States. My, my brother and sister, we need your prayers. We are living by faith. We need your prayers. We need your support. And we need your prayers all the time because we are working day and night, you know, the, um, you know, the Muslim peoples. My brother and sister, God loves us. That's why he gave the, his only son, Jesus Christ, for us. He took our sin on the cross. Give the message to people, the Muslim laws, not only Muslims, lots of lost souls here. We have to share the gospel, carry his cross. Thank you so much. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Um, Church, my uh, forefathers originally were from Hindu background. My father, uh, he uh, became Christian 
was, born, was raised uh, as a Catholic, and I gave my life when I was 16 years uh, of age to Jesus Christ. I became a born-again believer. And I had a heart to reach the unengaged and unreached people groups in Pakistan. As Numi was sharing earlier, 97% are Muslims in Pakistan. And then 3% are minorities. And among minorities are Christians, Hindus, Baha'i communities, and some other minorities living in Pakistan. We have a blasphemy law which says that nobody can disgrace Allah and Muhammad. We do not have, in practical, if we see, we do not have that much of freedom of religion as we see here in the United States. So if you have a church building, or you can worship in your house, you can just worship in the church building. You cannot have the freedom to go out and you know, share the gospel to the Muslims or to other uh, people there. Because if you do that, that's against the law, that's against the constitution. So you have to respect the constitution. That's what the government says and the people in authority says. But God has given us the great commission to reach the unengaged, unreached people groups. That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So at the age of 16, when I received that burden from the Lord, I gave my life and I said, Lord, use me for your glory, Lord. I'm totally committed to you, Lord. Help me, Lord. And I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Wherever I got the opportunity, at bus stands, in the parks, in the shopping malls, uh, I started working with the operation mobilization team. And uh, the goal was to, to distribute the tracts and the Bibles and the gospel, uh, the New Testament, you know, to all these lost people. And many times got beaten by these people. Many times I was handed over to the police, but God protected and God uh, helped me in all those uh, persecutions that I went through. I praise God uh, in the year 99 uh, when I was doing the evangelism, I found this uh, uh, a young man who, uh, who opened his heart for the gospel. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. Later, a week uh, after, we shared this gospel to his family and they accepted. And then uh, uh, we started a small house church with these seven members in that family. By the grace of God, this church, uh, I, I led this uh, whole group, and for till two years, after two years, in 2000 and, till 2002, actually, uh, this church grew, and by the grace of God, we had like 130 people in that church. And all were the new believers. All were new believers, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. In the year 2002, God helped me, and I was uh, sent to Islamabad, which is the capital uh, of, uh, of the country. So I was born and raised in the southern part of Pakistan, which is Karachi, and there I planted the first church, and then I went to Islamabad to plant another church. And by the grace of God, a uh, couple of months when I worked there, God gave me this burden to reach the Afghan and Iranian refugees in, in the year 2002, because lots of Afghans were moved from Afghanistan because of the security reason and purpose. Uh, the reason was the war just broke in. NATO forces, American forces were there and fighting against the Taliban. And lots of people just left their own country and they moved to, to Pakistan. So churches were not reaching to these people. And uh, we have a great struggle within the church in Pakistan because the church in Pakistan is not a mission-sending church. And we are praying that may God cast this vision in the church. And this was the reason that we, even when we were in Pakistan, we were reaching to different churches and mobilizing them, different individuals, and casting this vision that we need to reach to the lost people, the unengaged, unreached people groups in Pakistan. We have Urdu language, which is a national language of Pakistan. 
We have the complete Bible in our local language. Uh, five provincial language has the New Testament, but rest of the language are, languages are still without the gospel, you know, uh, or the complete gospel, complete Bible, you know. So there are lots of uh, work in the kingdom of God that still needs to be done in this 21st century, you know. In this contemporary era, we see that there are people, they are lost, they are without Jesus, and they are hoping, and the church is the hope through Christ Jesus, you know. We can bring Jesus as a hope to the lost world, and this is what we need to be doing as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I, uh, I had this burden, uh, when I received this burden in 2002 from the Lord to reach the Afghan and Iranian refugees, I started learning the Persian language. I, uh, within six months uh, period of time, I did that, and then I started reaching to them, made a small group there of Iranian and Afghan refugees, and then uh, in the year 2003, God led me uh, to Afghanistan. I left my country, and I had an honor and privilege to be a first Pakistani missionary sent to Afghanistan. So when I was there, by the grace of God, first year was a fruitful year that God gave me seven souls that came to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. A professor and six other students, they accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and I baptized them in my bathtub. We used to meet in a small group in a house setting every Friday uh, where we were worshiping. I was discipling them teaching the songs and uh, you know the Christian songs and uh, you know uh, helping them from the word of God how we can live a holy life you know uh, we got persecuted in Afghanistan God led me back to Pakistan for a while where I got married to Naomi and then I got back uh, both of us we went back to Afghanistan we got persecuted again in 2007 and by the grace of God you know God helped us and protected us uh, we got back in 2008 uh, to Pakistan I started working with a Christian parliamentarian uh, who was a uh, who was the only Christian in the, uh, in the parliament of the Pakistan and uh, was speaking against the blasphemy law. I became his personal secretary, raising our voice together uh, against the blasphemy law. We wanted to repeal that law because that had been uh, misused against Christians uh, uh, mainly. Uh, not only that, uh, in, in the year 2010, actually, this Christian lady who was uh, drinking water from a, a Muslim person, she drank a water, actually, from a Muslim person working in the fields, and she drank the water from a Muslim person glass, falsely accused that she torn the pages of Quran. So what happened? They beat her, police came, they tortured her, and took her, put her behind the bars, and the first court only gave her the death sentence right away. The governor of the Punjab province, one of the province, and he raised his voice, a moderate Muslim, he said, this is injustice. I'm going to talk to the president. She should be released. Guess what happened? After a week of the press conference of this Muslim governor who raised a voice for this Christian lady was assassinated by his own security guard. And not only that, after two months of his death, our dear brother, Shabazz Bhatti, he was also assassinated by Taliban. 25 bullets shot on his car, uh, and he was dead there. He was leaving that morning for a cabinet meeting at 9.30, and uh, he was dead right there. Then we started getting death threat letters and death threat calls. Uh, cut the long story short, the church that I was leading in Pakistan at that time uh, was uh, thrice, it was put on fire. Twice, the Quran was burned uh, and was thrown in my front yard just to frame me out that I have done this blasphemous act. Not only that, a death threat letter from Taliban I received. We, we reported these incidents in the police, but unfortunately nothing good came out of that. So our lives were jeopardized. We were praying to the Lord to help us and lead us. 
and we talked to the local leadership, the church leaders, our friends and all, and by the grace of God, we applied for the visa of the United States, and God granted us visa within three working days. So that was the miracle of the Lord. Normally it does not uh, happen, you know, that you get the visa in three working days from the U.S. Embassy, but that was the favor of the Lord. But it took us three months to make the decision whether it is God's will for us to leave the country or just stay there. So while we were praying, I received one morning the word from the Lord, Hebrews 11, 8. When Abraham was called in obedience, he went to the place, although he did not know where he was going. So that was our situation. We had the visa, we got the visa of the United States, but we do not know where to go in the United States. 50 states, but no friends here. Somehow when I sent an email, I, I found that a missionary friend who knew us from Afghanistan, we didn't know at that point where he was. He received my email and he said, brother, uh, I'm, I have moved to New Mexico, but I really wanted you to come to Ohio. I wonder why he didn't ask me to come to New Mexico because it was much warmer there than Ohio, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm from the south, so I love warm weather, you know. So. Anyway, he kept his promise. Uh, he came all the way from New Mexico to receive us here. And on 13 March 2013, we moved to the United States, not knowing what God has stored for us in the United States. But after spending some time, we realized that the United States is a mission field for us. God has brought us here for a reason and a purpose so that we can reach to the unengaged, unreached people groups that God is sending here in this country. I believe that this is a very unique time and a unique period where God has brought us in here. And miraculously, you know, God has led every step. We were interrogated by Homeland Security at Doha Airport when we were coming to the United States for one hour. Everybody was in the plane and we were in their office. We were talking to them. They had all the questions, you know, and, but the Spirit of God helped us to answer those questions. But then finally they said, okay, you can go in the plane now. They would have sent us from Doha back to Pakistan. So Naomi and I, we often talk, you know, we were persecuted in Afghanistan, we moved back to Pakistan. We were persecuted in Pakistan, we have come to the United States. And now if we get persecuted here in the United States, only place is left, that is heaven. So we'll be going to heaven after this. We cannot run anywhere else from here now. My brothers and sisters, God helped us, you know, and we, we are honored and privileged to become a part of the Nazarene church, you know. It was interesting how the Spirit of God helped us, you know, uh, and place us, on this district, we were, uh, we, we were speaking at one of the church and somebody gave us a gift card to eat a dinner or lunch at uh, Olive Garden. So we went one of the Sundays, we went there uh, and we were in the line, you know, uh, waiting for our turn to come and Naomi started talking to this couple there uh, and sharing the she was sharing the gospel and they said we are believers actually and we are uh, from High Point Nazarene Church, you know. So we exchanged the number they gave us, I called the pastor, pastor didn't reply. Um, after a couple of weeks, he came, I left the message, and he knocked at our door. I said, I'm Pastor Mike Cheek, you know. I'm from High Point Nazarene Church. My members met you at the restaurant, and, uh, you know, we shared our heart and story and everything with him. And since then, uh, two and a half, three years now, uh, we became a part of the Nazarene Church. Uh, we, we are not, like, paid workers. We, are, we have to raise our support. We are living by faith. Uh, we are still going through all these uh, things, uh, you know, studies and everything. I'm also studying uh, Master of, I'm in a Master of Ministry program at uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene, and then I'm also studying at Ohio State University doing my Arabic language so that I could be more effective uh, in the 
you know, reaching to these uh, Middle Eastern people. So these all things are by faith. We've been living here by faith. It's four years. You won't believe it how God works, you know. Uh, God had worked in a miracle, miraculous ways for us, you know, and in a mighty ways for us, the way he provided for us, you know, and met all our needs. Uh, even though I knew when we were coming here, God gave this word. By faith, Abraham left, you know. So we left by faith, and we are on this journey of faith. You know, we have moved to seven different homes in these past four, almost four years now here in the United States. But God's been faithful, uh, and God has been merciful to us. This morning, I just wanted to uh, share this one uh, verse from the Bible, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse uh, 9. Paul says that because of a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. You know, the word of God says that Paul, who was a great, great missionary, he was tired, he was exhausted, and he was traveling everywhere. Now he's writing a letter to, to the church in Corinthians, and he's in Ephesus, and he's on, on, on the third mission journey that he was, writing to some friends in the church there in Corinth. And he's saying that, that he find that here there is a great door of opportunity. I believe that when Paul saw this, people going every day, uh, you know, of different activities, they were moving in and out, you know, he found that there is a door of opportunity. So the big idea this morning I, I wanted to share with you and leave with you is this, that God can do amazing things if we, as a people of God, you know, put our hope and trust in him. God can use the ordinary man, ordinary people, and can make them, transform them into extraordinary people, you know. So these disciples of Jesus Christ, they were ordinary people. But God transformed their lives and they became extraordinary people. You and I can become an extraordinary people for God today. We may are ordinary people, we are an ordinary people, but God can transform our lives to become, to make us extraordinary. You know, the first point that I wanted to lay before you is that a door of opportunity. Now, the Paul sees a door of opportunity. Ephesus was not a place where, uh, the, where the Christians would like to live there because of its uh, sin and immor immorality and legalized prostitution and all the evil that was going in the country. Nobody wanted to stay there. But when Paul goes there and he finds that there is a door of opportunity, what are the doors of opportunities that you see around yourself here, in this city particular, or in this uh, state, you know, in this country? I believe that United States is a full of opportunities, and we as a people of God have a great, great uh, responsibility to use the opportunity that God has, or to seize the opportunity that God has given us, you know. You know, Ohio is the second largest population of Somalian refugees. There are lots of people from Iraq and Syria and from all other different Middle Eastern and Central and South Asian countries. They are coming here in the United States. And what we need to do, we need to reach to these people. We have been reaching to these people in the United States in the past four years that God has given us here in the United States through, uh, through, the, uh, through the gospel that we were preaching to them through the DVDs. You know, we distributed over 2,000 DVDs in the Columbus area. We hosted different dinners for the Muslims, you know, and in all those dinners, at Christmas and Resurrection and Thanksgiving dinners, that we use these uh, opportunities, you know, to share the gospel. At Ohio State University, those students, and I believe that God placed me there uh, because my heart is to reach the students there. What if these students accept Jesus Christ and when they go back to their country, they bring Jesus with them and their families and their lives and their you know, city and nation can be transformed. 
You know, a couple of years ago, our prime minister from Pakistan, she came and studied here in the United States. But what if somebody would have reached to her with the gospel, we wouldn't have uh, been working on the blasphemy law anymore. A blasphemy law would have been repealed in Pakistan. But nobody reached to that prime minister. She was even assassinated by Taliban in 2007. My brothers and sisters, there's a great doors of opportunities. You know, there are statistics shows that Pew made a research in 2007 and 2017. There are two different research. And the first research says that there were 41 mosques in Ohio in 2007. Today, there are more than 90, over 90 mosques in Ohio. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. And especially in the United States, every year more than 20,000 people are accepting Islam. It means their missionaries are very active. Their people are very active. They have a strategy. They have a plan to reach to the Christians, knock at their doors, and then share Islam to them. <clears throat> they are doing their work. And I believe that we, as a people of God, need to be doing the same. They learn from us, and they are doing, and we have forgotten what God has called us to do. More than 68 Islamic restaurants, 27 Islamic markets in Ohio, you know, a couple of business centers, and the largest Islamic center is in Ohio. Toledo is not very far from a couple of mosques that they have here in Ohio, uh, in Toledo. My brothers and sisters, mission is right here now. Mission is in our backyard now. God has brought all these nations here so that we can play our part, we can do our part, and we can share the gospel. There are doors of opportunity. John Hyde was a great missionary to India and Pakistan, you know, in the 1900s. And he went there. And he, you know what he did? Every day he was on his knees and he prayed one thing to the Lord. Lord, give me souls or else I will die. Give me souls or else I will die. So the first year, 365 souls came to the saving knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. Second year, he, he said, God, this is not enough. I want two souls every day. And the two souls God gave him every day. Third year, he said, Lord, three souls. Fourth year, Lord, four souls. And his heart, his biography, if you read it, says, you know, his heart moved from left to right because of his position that he was on his knees all the time. And that's how the revival came in India and in Pakistan, you know, before the partition of Pakistan. So India was a, Pakistan was a part of India. It cost something, my brothers and sisters. You know, Islam is rapidly growing. About 13% people in, in, the, in the United States, the Muslims, they believe that, you know, they, uh, they believe that some of the frequency of violence to defend Islam against civilians is justified. Muslims here in the United States, about 19% believe that uh, they are either favorable uh, towards the Al-Qaeda or the ISIS, or they don't know the exact answers. But there are 19% who believe that it's okay. ISIS are fine. Al-Qaeda is fine. There are 40% that support the Sharia law, that they should not be judged by the U.S. law and constitution. Then there are 46% uh, Muslims, those living in America, they believe that everyone who mocks and criticizes Islam or their prophet or Quran, you know, they should uh, face criminal charges. So there's a lot going on here in the United States, my brothers and sisters. And we as a people of God has a great responsibility and a work to do in this time, in this era. There's a freedom that God has given us and we are blessed with this freedom. But let's not take this freedom for granted, my brothers and sisters. Secondly, there's a door of obligation. Paul says, 
He didn't say that, I mean, he realized that that's the obligation that he has. He didn't say that it's, a, it's only for Barnabas or Timothy. But he realized that was his obligation from the Lord. And he remained obedient to the vision and to the call of God. Are we obedient to the vision and call of God? What was, what, what was your experience when you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? Go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. What have you done for the Lord in all these past years? My brothers and sisters, today I believe that we have a personal obligation to share the gospel wherever we are. And thirdly, I just wanted to mention here that there would be opposition. You know, many people in the past, they opposed the gospel, but gospel did not stop. It expand and expand and expand, you know. We see more martyrs in the 20th century combined and all other previous centuries, you know. And we need to rise up at this time to be the true witness to the true disciples of Jesus Christ. But the thing is this, as Paul says in Romans 10, uh, 14 to 15, it says, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Your feet will be beautiful, my brothers and sisters, if you bring the good news to them. Brother, can we put the video, please?
Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I think the greatest fear that the church has today is the fear of death, is the fear of persecution. We do not want to leave our comfort zone because it costs something. But let me say something today, that what Jesus Christ actually said to the men of his day was this, that becoming Christian is not easy. In fact, it is radical. And it is the only way to life, actually. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, we must be committed to above everything else. There are no cheap seats in the kingdom of God today. It costs something to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. General discipleships demand something. And what it demands? That we must deny ourselves, carry up our cross, and follow Jesus all the way, even to death if necessary. My brothers and sisters, we are not afraid of all the problems and issues and struggles and persecution, you know. And we dare not look at the problems at all. We must seize the opportunities in this era that God has given us. Let us not use our freedom uh, or you, let us not take our freedom for granted. Let us use it for God's kingdom and for God's glory. You know. We are on the move, and you all can be a part of it. You know. We are blessed this morning to be uh, here and share our testimony and the word that God has put on our heart. Uh, and for this reason, we would challenge you and mobilize you uh, to come join us in this uh, movement. We are so blessed to be a part of uh, Nazarene Church, you know. And we would encourage you. So you might have all these partnership cards with you. We would encourage you. We can send you our prayer letters and all. And if God lays on your heart, we need the financial partners also. We need the prayer partners too. Because it's a spiritual warfare. Reaching Muslims is not easy. It's a spiritual warfare. And we would encourage you uh, to partner with us. You know, God bless you and keep us in your prayers as we move forward and reach to these unengaged, unreached people groups in the United States. Thank you. Thank you, Patris. There is a, a, a place in the back where you can put those cards if you'd like to fill them out today. But uh, I know some of you maybe want to go home, pray about it. And we always, you can always bring those to the office in the coming weeks, and we'll make sure that they get to them. But uh, just really appreciate them coming up from Columbus and sharing with us. And, uh, you know, my mind just uh, challenged today and spinning and, and seeing what God is doing. And, and again, uh, the fact that every one of us, regardless of our context, God wants us to live extraordinary lives through his grace. So let's stand this morning. Father, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity we've had today. And uh, thank you for uh, getting to be introduced to Patris and Naomi and uh, just what you're doing with their lives. And we pray for blessing over their ministry. And know that you're going to do great things. You are doing great things. And uh, we're grateful to be a part of the kingdom with, uh, to share in this with people like this. So, Lord, just go with us from this place. Bless our week, Father. And uh, just to continue to work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.